Welcome to Hope is not a strategy, the podcast with exciting strategy stories from yesterday, today and tomorrow. My name is Christian Underwood. And my name is Jürgen Weigand. In our conversations with real strategy makers, we want to debunk the myth of strategy and show how you can win with strategy work in these volatile times. And for this, we welcome today in our first yeah, dual uh, strategy interview, Jürgen, we welcome Hans-Martin Hellebrand, co-CEO of Badenova, a more than 100-year-old provider of sustainable and reliable energy solutions from South Baden. Hans-Martin, welcome. Hello. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Also welcome from my side. Yes, before we start, uh, I would like to briefly introduce you to our audience. And uh, yeah, you have a degree in business administration from the University of Bielefeld. And uh, after that, you joined the controlling department of uh, RWI Systems in 2006. And after more than eight years of steadily increasing responsibility, you finally left the company as senior vice president group IT controlling and but at the same time you completed the CIO program at WHU and maybe a short excourse Jürgen could you explain us what that is meant for? Yeah, the CIO program um, addresses the general management needs of um, chief information officers or one level lower, those who are preparing for that level. Typically, these people have technical backgrounds and we want to provide them with the necessary general management know-how. Yeah, and, and, and this worked uh, pretty well, I would say. Then uh, you went to the Silicon Valley for yeah three years for uh, energy, uh, where you first built up the innovation hub for the energy group and further developed uh, it with various focal points as senior vice president, global innovation and cooperation, but also in board roles in several startups. So, And at the same time, because WHU, uh, you really liked that approach, I think. Uh, so then you went to the executive um, uh, Kellogg WHU MBA bro program. And in 2018, you returned to Germany, mainly for family reasons, where You successfully helped shape the growth of the energy discounter Eprimo as CFO. And in July 2021, you then moved to your current home as a board member of the energy supplier Badenova in Freiburg im Breisgau. Hans Martin, um, let me start with the first question uh, when I yeah, was introducing to your company and I found this mission statement or purpose or why I think it's right. it's a why statement um, we are shaping the energy and heat transition for a future worth living with the region for the region can you briefly explain the idea behind that statement and the yeah, several individual elements of the statement um, and why this wasn't a Awakening for Badenova as a supplier. Yes, sure. So uh, let's start with the explanation of all the various aspects of this purpose, as you say, right? Um, in this sentence, so we want to shape the energy future, is essentially our ambition to create a better tomorrow that is very important for us. So we start with a golden circle yeah, of Simon mm -hmm. Simic to say, why is it important that we? have a role in the future and we say we create a better tomorrow by shaping the energy transition. For us, super important about that is that the energy transition here is understood as everything that is linked to energy but also linked to water, so to all the supplies that we need for our daily life. Additionally, also important is that we say we create this future 
jointly with our partners in the region and for the region. Why is that so super important? Well, there is a big wish that utilities simply do energy transition. Mm -hmm. But the unfortunate truth is energy transition is a joint effort. So we need more than just utilities. We need mm -hmm. the politics to support us. We need partner companies to go on this journey. We need every customer, every person in Germany to actually do the energy transition. And that is what we wanted to express with this uh, purpose statement. Essentially, you said it was an awakening for the company. Yes, it was. I mean, when we defined this purpose for us jointly with the team, we said, what is it that we want to be in the future? And once you ask this question, of course, it generates energy. Yeah? People said, okay, we don't want to be the utility for now. We don't want to just supply with electricity and gas. Mm -hmm. We want to be the ones who define the, the uh, better tomorrow and that essentially gave us direction on the one hand side but also a lot of energy in the team yeah pretty cool and uh, yeah how we can imagine this in concrete terms can you so what does that mean for private customers or for your industry clients yeah it meant a lot so essentially we said we have to start where we are we are a utility company and therefore we have clients and we have an energy let's say situation right now and this is the basis for us to do now the energy transition jointly and nudging and fudging our customers and partners so as you mentioned for our private customer that means we only have green electricity products so but as you mentioned we have for our industry customers also still some fossil products but it's just a still Because what we now intend to do is we want to shape the energy future. So therefore, we go in contact with our industrial partners and we work with them on how to get into a better tomorrow based on what they currently has, have as fast as possible. What I just heard from you uh, pleases me a lot because first you said we, we started with the purpose, the why. Mm -hmm. And second, um, your stakeholders are very important uh, to the company and uh, they should be the focus of your intentional efforts to, well, do better for the future. So how did it um, resonate with the people in your organization when you came along saying we have to first think about our why? Um, it resonated quite well. I mean, we were in a phase where currently the markets were changing. We had the Ukraine crisis and we saw how dramatically we were reliant on this old fossil energy system. So therefore, when we said, now let's, in this shaping, in, in this transitioning world, let's first of all define a fixed star for us. Let's define this purpose so that we are clear where to go and why to go. That gave a lot of security actually on the one hand side for people they said okay now i know why it's important that we are there in the future it also gave a lot of energy and of course then the orientation that was the basis for the strategy work yeah pretty pretty cool but uh, yeah, let's come back a little bit to the to the products and right. maybe to your business model and i think you're also reshaping the business model not just the products of green energy uh, you also have a have a platform idea behind to shape the transition so can you a uh, little bit explain us on how how this going to work Yeah, absolutely. So I think the changing world also needs a renewal of business models. And believe it or not, we currently are working on a multi-sided platform. So nobody would have expected a utility to build a multi-sided platform. So therefore, um, 
Yeah, it first of all generates a lot of question marks. But what is it what we want to do? Um, with regard to the decentral energy transition, it's for us super important to also take our customers along this journey to reshaping the energy world by helping them to understand what their current situation is, what they want from energy. So is it sustainability? Is it low prices? Is it independence? And then supporting them with a digital platform approach in this transition from there today to a better tomorrow. So that's a strategy itself, huh? It For is each a strategy itself. It exactly. is a strategy, exactly. But in, you know, in this platform approach, we as a utility start with the customer. We take the customer primarily digitally on this journey to find out what he or she needs. And then when it comes to the fulfillment, when it comes to the parts, do you need a solar panel? Do you need a battery? And when it comes to the installation, and installation of these systems, we work with regional partners for the fulfillment. And that in a way, you know, you would call it one-stop shop where the customer does not have the feeling that he or she is handed around from partner to partner, but where there is one yeah, seamless digital customer journey. And that is one of the models that we currently build. Again, I'm very pleased to hear that because uh, it tells me that your company is very much looking into innovative solutions. So there needs to be some kind of an innovation spirit in the company. And I mean, you've been to a Silicon Valley. It's always said about Silicon Valley. It's about innovation. So yeah. how can you create such an innovation culture in a very traditional business environment with a very traditional company older than 100 years? How how Has that worked out? I, I guess it starts with a good foundation. So mm -hmm. we have to say that we in Freiburg are known for a good, sustainable, innovative life and attitude. So therefore, there was a basis in the company to say, yeah, it's not about, you know, keeping the status quo. It's always about, you know, being curious and trying new things in order to evolve. So that was a good starting point. And then, of course, there is a very important part of communication, so making very clear as a leader, the world is changing outside. It's good that the world is changing outside and we are the ones who actually can make a difference. So let's grab this opportunity and let's try out what it needs to build a better tomorrow. And that essentially was the, let's say, starting point for then going into this innovative work, which has a lot of aspects, of course. It has methodologies, it has um, a cultural aspect, of course, that is all growing on this basis. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I think now we have a good understanding of where you're standing or your company is standing uh, today. But could you briefly take us back to Badenova when you started two years back uh, in time? Uh, can you describe the starting position a little bit, perhaps, also in contrast to today? The starting position was, uh, you could say, totally upside down to what I, I currently experience. Yeah? So when I started two years ago, just to, to recap, we were right after Corona. So we were heading as a society back to new normal. And we were all very happy and pleased that the world has become a little bit more normal. And yet the energy crisis, so the Ukraine wow. crisis, was not was not um, happening so far. So we were right in between two waves. And therefore, you know, when you see where we are currently, we have this big impact of the Ukraine crisis on the energy system. We have this big movement now saying, okay, now we have to do energy transition. We have to move forward. This is a completely different surrounding in which oh. we operate these days. 
So uh, does this, especially this, uh, yeah, exogenous factor, also helped you to, yeah, have a real sense of urgency to bring the whole company and the team, uh, yeah, to think about new ideas. Yeah, definitely. But mm. it didn't only help in the company, it helped mm. in all the surroundings, in the environment. With the stakeholders. Yeah. Right, okay. with the stakeholders, mm. with the partners. So everybody became brutally aware that the energy system we have been living in so far was not the energy system for tomorrow. And now everybody said, okay, we have to, we have to work on that. And of course, it's uh, exogenous shocks like that support then this movement and mm. gave us so to speak backwinds yeah absolutely tailwinds i, I just want to come back to uh, the purpose statement i mean this is one thing to define the purpose but the next step is deriving from that purpose statement your goals your longer term goals midterm goals and then from there also the objectives something you can measure so how did you proceed because in our book we advocate not running two processes in parallel the um, impact statement or the purpose statement versus the strategy process as such so how did you proceed um, actually we did it Essentially, the way you also propose it in your in your brilliant book, yeah. So we started with. Thank the, you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, read it, guys, read it. Um, no, we started with the mission statement, so with the purpose. And mm -hmm. for us, it was super important at that point to say, guys, don't think too much of how to make it happen. Just for a start, focus your mind on where do we want to go. What is our fixed star and why is it good to go there? Because that is the essential part, that is the magnetic part that we need for orientation and energy. And then in the second step, we said, okay, now that we all agree that this is our target, how to make it happen? What are the big lines, the big, big strategic ways, you can say, that bring us closer to this target? And that was then the second approach before then very operative, um, operatively saying, okay, now we need an approach, a method like the OKR method that we use mm -hmm. in order to go step by step on these strategic roads. Yeah, uh, yeah. coming to the OKR method that you're using, I think another really uh, important point, bringing the horsepower of strategy yeah, to, the, to the streets of op operations in the end. And um, I think it's pretty important uh, or interesting also for our listeners to understand how to introduce such a, let's say, strategic tool set to a company. Of course, I think the magic also lies in how to implement, especially tools which are very much uh, management-like, very mm. much sophisticated. Mm. It's always always hard to convince people that these tools are good to be used on a broader basis. With regard to OKR, we made it very, very simple. We said, actually, the, the beauty and the core of OKR is just having a focus on what you want to achieve in the next sprint. So let's forget all the methodologies, let's just figure out what are the five things that you as a team, as a leader, as a department, that you want to achieve, that you want to see having been installed, having been happened by the end of the next sprint. And once you know what these five things are, once you are able to describe how this change feels, looks like, can be measured, etc., you have half of the way of OKR methodology because then you have 
kind of key results. And then you can start brilliantly on shaping this method by saying, okay, now we learn a little bit how do we want to formulate objectives, and what makes align it, it over the teams. Exactly, mm. a good key result. And then the alignment part. But I think really starting with the inner core of the method by saying it's about focus on what you want to achieve. Describe it and come into communication, into this alignment process. That is half of the way of this method. Well, actually, in our book, we advocate a participative um, approach to strategy making. That's what you have pursued as well. Yeah. But we also believe that at the end of the day, there must be someone who has the final say. Now right. we learned about your company that you have a very interesting governance structure. You have co-CEOs. Right. Can you share with us how that works and why it is working? Yeah, it works very well. So that for a starting point, and I think it's the right method in this current world. Yeah. So the world around us is changing and therefore you have a lot of influence on your company. And therefore, at least to my mind, it's super important and super helpful if you steer the company also by one single person. So, But if you steer the company jointly in a management team, and in our case, it's exactly two board members or two co-CEOs. And of course, it doesn't mean that we all do everything, you know, jointly. Of course, we have our focus areas of our areas of specialization. But whenever it comes to the big line items, to strategic points, it's good to have a partner that you can exchange thoughts with, that you can, you know, go into the discussion and that you can also make and align the tough decisions with. It helps a lot. And it's I think not only a good method for the board level, but it's also a good method also to steer other areas in the company than jointly and more entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. And and therefore, I think it uh, also promotes the OKR method and vice versa, uh, because uh, it, it also this also needs a different leadership style. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, and executing it. Yeah. And perhaps building on that, it links together, right? I mean what we see currently is that the outside world is changing. If you ask me, then it's super important that our company is focused not to the inside, but to the outside. The areas, the focus areas, the teams, they should seek for the answers in the outside rather in the inside of the company. And then, of course, it's about defining what we want to achieve, what we want to make happen, what we want to have as outcome by the end of the next sprint. And that is the definition part. But when it comes to leadership, It's a team that should decide what to do. Mm. You know, we as managers, we as leaders should be, now it comes humble servant leader. Yeah, mm-hmm. We should give orientation. We should try to um, erase hurdles. But at the end, it's the teams that actually drive the, the business and that should be accountable for, for what needs to be done in order to achieve the outcome. So it's more about servant leadership, about coaching. I think a right. really important point when it comes Absolutely. to modern strategy processes. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, finally, we're at the end of the of our talk. Um, but uh, just one more question because our listeners really like uh, concrete or some concrete advice uh, by you, Hans-Martin. Uh, what was particularly difficult for you coming back from California with all these crazy ideas and things you've seen in the world and then coming to Freiburg um, to, let's say, a small company, a really traditional company, um, where to start and to to channel your ideas, what you need. So how uh, do you have a method for that? And uh, yeah, how do you proceed on that? Yeah, I think it boils down to mindset. So what I learned in Silicon Valley 
is that the world outside is changing and is tremendously speeding up in changing. So therefore, it's always good to be oriented to the outside, to see what is happening and, you know, to seek for opportunities in order to then grab these opportunities and just try things, you know, try things out. Don't uh, focus too much on, you know, analysis, what can happen, what could happen. Don't focus too much on the risk side. Rather seek for the opportunities and try stuff. Because when you try new things, it's either about being successful, the new thing work out in the changing world. Nice. That is the plain vanilla path, so to speak. But then there is the other path where it's about, yeah, it didn't work out. It's a fail, yeah, now in quotation marks, which is a starting point for learning. And having this mindset of, you know, trying stuff, learning stuff, change, adopt, and, you know, mm -hmm. this iteration cycle, I think that is the, the advice to all the listeners. Just try things. The world is full of opportunities, and only if you grab them, only if you do things differently, mm -hmm. then you can actually, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Grow. Yeah, th thank you very much for that. And, uh, yeah, we learned just do it uh, also helps in making strategy happen. Yeah? So Absolutely. Be bold and do it. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Hans-Martin, for that. Uh, we learned a lot uh, for your talk and uh, we are really curious that we have you as a panelist on our strategy conference, the Strategy Summit uh, 23 at the WHU, May 17th here in Düsseldorf. So uh, also for our listeners, you can grab your tickets. So uh, go on www.strategy-summit.de and you can get your tickets and see Hans-Martin on stage with us talking about the future of strategy. So thank you, Hans-Martin, for being here in Düsseldorf. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.